Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Okay. This will be some sort of thing. It's not the entire part of the podcast, but it is Scott Tilford and Jules Guild doing something. Is that the name of this podcast? That might, that might be what we call it. Scott Tilford and Jules Guild do something. So, so, so no one actually knows what we're going to do. Like We don't even know what we're going to do. We just do something for just do 30 something. to 40 minutes. Yeah, just sort of make it work. I mean, I, I thought it would be a nice idea to sort of do a bonus UBP style podcast. That's what we'll be tweeting mm-hmm, out mm-hmm, as. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know what I'll be calling it, um, but it is me and you. It is it is the take trough. I am going back to the take trough because it is a very, it's a very overflowing take trough. Can, Can it be called... You know, Scott Telford and Jules Gill, yes. UBP2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> UBP2, UBP Harder. I think that's the. Oh, UBP Harder. Try and say it real quick with like some aggression. UBP Harder. UBP Harder. We were saying before we came on about like those random sound bites that are in the Ace Attorney games. Um, just saying, like, what's the one that's in Ace Attorney? It's not okay. So, so we were talking, no, so we were saying that in Ace Attorney it has <laughs> objection. And yes. then in Bishy Bashy Special it has yes. attention. Attention. Just, yeah. just, you know, just, I just need more of that. I need more random, badly voiced sound bites in my life. You need to Infinite Crisis on the <laughs> PS1. Have you played that game? Is that the one with that? You play as that dude who's having like the worst day ever. Yeah, he's having the worst yeah. day of his life. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's such a silly game. I love I it. I missed that entire era of uh, of games and stuff. But anyway, I have yep. gathered together a bunch of some of the best questions that we got given in. So thank everybody very much for sending stuff in for last week. More than enough to sustain uh, another show. Um, so yes, first question from Christopher Snow. Uh, was Generation 7 the best generation? Um, great stories, mechanics that worked, and games weren't as bloated as, say, the new Assassin's Creed, and you actually got to finish them. Um, Gen 7, for the sake of the audience, is the the, uh, Xbox 360 PS3 generation. It's the it's two generations ago. So I guess it's whether you would say that the 360 PS3 era gave us the best games ever. Oh, I'm going to be a, a real contentious old man Stickler. here and say that in reality, if we're operating on the principle of um, minimalist game design, mm-hmm. of, of the simpler your product, uh, the better it is because mm-hmm. you are literally hitting your bottom line of this is what my product is, then we have to go back to the arcade days because I just yes. went on a recent Ooh. glut of playing through SNES and NES games as well. Uh-huh. And I was just amazed at how really simple some of those games are, but how utterly perfect they are. Like, yeah. have you, do you remember the feeling of going back and playing F-Zero for the first time on the SNES? Or <laughs> um, uh, what's it called? Out, uh, Sunset Riders. 
Right, like, right. Or Smash TV. It's stuff like well, that. that was one like, of those games that they're just brilliant, brilliant fun. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole thing of like prioritizing game mechanics over everything else. Like they didn't yeah. have to worry about stories or pathos or like making you invest in the character. It was just, no, this is a dude, this is a mechanic. You're going to, Star Fox, like Star Fox plays yep. so incredibly well. Like I still uh, love Star Fox too. And that came out in like 2018 or whatever when it finally got uh, released. Uh, it's on the SNES mini. And playing that, I was like, this still plays really, really well. I know yeah. the frame rate is a living hell, but I still think it plays really <laughs> it's well. Slideshow for it's slideshow for me. Yeah. It's literally like four frames a minute. Um, but it's like, you know, the gameplay mechanics are cool. And the fact that you can, you know, you can uh, transform from the R-Wing into like a weird mech. And then all of a sudden yep. it's a third-person shooter. And then you go back to being a, a plane again. I was like, is this Future Cop LAPD? Because why is there not more transforming <gasps> you, things? I tell you what, mate, you sometimes, I swear your hands, they're made of boxing gloves with knives on because you just cut straight in for the deep takes, don't you? That's, that's the jewels, the pickup line. That's how, that's how he gets by. Is your, <laughs> go, go up to a, pr- a prospective sexual partner and be like, you've got hands like boxing gloves yeah. with hey, knives baby, on. Are your hands made of gloves Get with knives deep. on because oh, you're no, cutting me. Oh, yeah. Oh. Either way, Future Cup LAPD, very good game. It sort of got me, made me more excited for a Transformer-style game than any of the Transformers games ever have. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, speaking of game mechanics and stuff, um, because, yeah, I mean, the Gen 7 was incredible, you know, like the Mass Effect trilogy and Skyrim yeah. and like these massive titles and Grand Theft Auto and like Halo 3 and whatever. But I don't, I think for us, because we're a bit older, I think we point to the genesis of all those ideas in the first place. And I, I yeah. totally would say um, that it's, I don't know, I think it would be more of the 2D era, like you said, like it's the SNES Mega Drive era. Um, where like it, Maybe you... it's the purist in us that's making mm. us say that because it's a distillation of the idea and the concept. And like maybe we're cavemen, maybe we're the ones that are in the wrong because of the fact that they didn't have as like engrossing a story outside of like a few exceptions, like you've got your mm. Chrono Cross or like your early Final Fantasy games and stuff like yeah. that. The majority of them were just like, here is a very simple premise. Go do the thing that we tell you to do. Mm-hmm. You are literally bad dudes. Go save President Ronnie. You know what I mean? Are you bad enough at dudes? <laughs> President to do that? Ronnie. <laughs> oh, mate, have you not played Bad Dudes? I thought you were making that up. No, is that no, actual... dude, there, is, there, is, there is a game out there called Bad Dudes, and it is okay. it, it is unmitigated. I thought you were taking trash. the absolute Michael saying, like, oh, yeah, just there's archetypal 80s games. Oh, you're bad dudes. Go save President that, Ronnie. I like, swear, you know. da- swear down. The <laughs> um, the text that's in this game is, uh, are you a bad enough dude to go and save, effectively, President Ronald Reagan? It is oh, okay. mad. It is mad. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, because I think it's not to take any, the, the thing is, for me, if I start thinking of the best games of all time, then it has to be, you have to group everything in. Like, the fact that games do comprise stories has to be factored mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and i think you can focus on mechanics you can fo- uh, focus on the formation of genres and like you know those different rule sets and they have to they have to be paid uh tribute to but I, I still wouldn't say gen 7 is the best but i do think you need something with a more of a story you probably ps1 and 64 era like the metal gear solids yeah. the final fantasy 7s the legacy of canes the things that started bringing in just enough story but the focus was still on mechanics maybe you could break down the generations into what they sort of like expressed as a whole thing. If you go back to like mm. the arcade days and the early home consoles, it's like, uh, like gameplay. That's their focus. Mm-hmm. Then it's like maybe into this sort of PS1, the uh, N64 era, maybe uh, not in a negative way, but limitations as in right. pushing the hardware to their limitations mm-hmm. and also working around some stuff with technical like wizardry to make things work on it. Then you move into like the PS2, which I'd say era, which is, got to be like the mass appeal that's when the, everyone PS2, yeah, had a console the world over and mm-hmm. the ps2 was dominating the charge there so mm-hmm. accessibility 
And then we move into like the 360 and the PS3 era. And I probably would say that that's where the cinematic, like the storytelling uh, yeah, things like the really started. And everything yeah, like the, the spectacle games, mm. I guess you'd call them as. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, just on the cusp of the PS4 rolling into the PS5, I would argue that we're in the superfluous era where basically loads and loads of development time is dedicated to offering immersion Mm. where it's like hey look uh, if you stand still on this street all of these npcs will go about their day and there's like right. a paper cup that will blow dramatically like with 3d rendering <laughs> and technology like, the label yeah, on the side you know what i mean like, like it's, yeah. it's stuff that isn't necessarily needed to make the game good but it's what makes the game immersive and more connected to the player so mm. if you break it all down like that every single generation has their strengths and yes. weaknesses I guess it's just what you prefer. I do. That's a really good point that I think, because he's mentioning Gen 7, obviously Gen 8 mm-hmm. is the one that just rolled to a close. And I do think that the industry went down a few paths that were not very good across Gen 8, like monetization yeah. models, like games as a service. We yeah. had experiments that favored um, finance and business rather than artistry and creativity. Um, but we still did get incredible titles like The Witcher 3 and God of War. So it's like, there are going to be, I don't know, like, like you said, there's pros and cons to each. But for me, it's, it is interesting focusing on the genesis of the things that we like the most in gaming. Yeah. Well, where did they come from and where were they executed on the best? Um, so I guess my shout would be whatever generation the PS2, sorry, PS1 and N64 is, mm. Gen 3, I think, because oh, it would be don't. NES, SNES, N64. I think that puts it on Gen 3. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess never used right. to think of it this well, way, but I remember Rich Hudson trying to nail it down to the generations and I, I was like, okay, kind of. You've got to kind of include the ones before the NES that you've got to do the Atari Jaguar or the, like, you know. um, the ZX Spectrum. You've got to do all that sort of stuff. <laughs> that thing that played Pong that was in that bloke's basement in the, uh, the Science Man. <laughs> so, tennis for two or whatever it was called before yeah. it was Pong. Um, yes, Generation Zero. Um, but yes, not to worry. Next question from Breezy. And then in asterisks, it says Wild Man Dreaming. So I, I'm assuming that's his full name. He's just, he's Breezy and he's a Wild Man Dreaming. I, I like that because it's kind of like he's laid back, like a summer breeze sort of thing. But he's also a Wild Man who was dreaming. He's just letting you know that's just that's the state that he's in. And he says, as usual, Destiny 2 is a large player on my life's chessboard. Love that phrasing. Um, Bungie has been making great changes with community feedback, and narratively, it's become a beast to behold. Which overall, sorry, what overall game narratives exceeded any expectations that you had going in? That is a tough question because there have been so many sort of like gotcha moments when Mm. you're playing through video games that are just like, this is fantastic. I love Mm. everything about that. I got, um, uh, that especially through my first playthrough of Bioshock, because okay. I always knew it was going to be something special from the mm-hmm, moment mm-hmm. you see Rapture. It's like incredible. But when you start getting into the characterization of the city itself, the lore that surrounds it, all of the different people you meet along the way and how they've mm. been affected by life under sea, I was like, this is brilliant. But I never really felt like so satisfied than seeing that would you kindly thing and just being like, oh, heart damn this is good well that was the, the thing with bioshock is like it's it's strange imagining a time or remembering a time before bioshock changed everything because mm-hmm. after post bioshock like it was like after bioshock it's like well why is your character doing anything and it broke everything it was i remember all those conversations after bioshock of like well why does sonic like rings why is mario collecting gold coins like why it just reframed everything and i still remember to this day like driving home after my shift at argos because uh, i was on the way home and i had a gaming podcast on. i, I think i had all, an old ign podcast on it was definitely greg miller who was talking about about it and he'd finished Bioshock and he was trying to tell the other uh, the other 
hosts, um, why it was such a big deal without ruining mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And he was just so freaking out over it. He's like, you guys don't get it. It does something that I can't say, but oh my God. And he was just freaking out. And it's like, that was like a, such a meaningful extension of narrative in gaming. Um, yeah. That like, yeah, so few titles, I mean, nothing since then has been able to sort of like get at the heart of a, of a game creation as a medium and just say, look, this is a missing part of it. I, I, the only thing that I can say comes close and I can't talk about it too much because you mm. haven't fully played this. It's uh, Disco Elysium. Oh uh, God, like, I'm so looking forward to Disco Elysium. Because the final cut is like a, a, about a week away now. It's coming out it's on the 30th, 30th yeah. or so. Yeah, mm. and uh, Kerry and I, my girlfriend, we're playing through it as we were talking about before. And yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a case of like, there's some stuff that goes on in that game, which is, you're just like, God damn, these people are much more clever than I am. <laughs> like, okay. there's, there are some twists and turns that you just like go, I thought I was going one way with this and it right. completely upended itself and got another. Because I read like they, they took, it took them five years to get the whole thought, because the whole one of the game mechanics yeah. in it, and I've not been reading too much about it because I want to be blown away by it, yep, but vaguely, sure. I know that they have this system of, uh, this, this sort of um, almost like a, a board game style menu of like different thought processes. It's what the old yes. Sherlock games used to have and it's sort of like different thoughts come out of different core thoughts. Yep and then it analyzes your thought patterns and produces new ones and suggests new ones and things like that. And apparently it took them five years to get that stuff down. So it seems like there is this brilliant sort of quasi RPG system in there um, that you know, you're making decisions and it's saying, oh, well, if you win for this, then clearly politically, morally, you're, you think of this. Yep. And you're like, oh my dear God, I wasn't thinking that, but I kind of see what you're doing. And then apparently yeah. that's, that's the thing. So I'm super curious what that is. What it does is it just pulls out <clears throat> all of your innermost like, uh, thoughts, feelings, fears, uh, mm. and basically puts them on show for you to be like, hey, maybe you're not <laughs> as good of a person as you thought you were. And it's just like, oh boy, I did not need to go down this rabbit hole. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm so, like I said, I'm so curious how that all plays out. So yeah, yeah, I guess um, you had Bioshock, you had Disco Elysium. Yeah. Uh, mine would definitely be God of War, um, the yeah. 2018 one. Yeah. Just because going in, I didn't expect anything at all and i was so done with god of war like god of war ascension was just so meh and i just felt like kratos as a character i hated him in god of war 3 i was like he just is this big a-hole and then i love that they wrote a story around that and it was like what if Mm -hmm. what if he was older and he knew he was a pos and he was like i don't deserve love i don't deserve a son and just sort of like doing this whole thing about this like a retired warrior with blood caking his hands um just having to discover that like yeah he can mean something again and Oh, the, all the messaging and all the thematics and everything in that game is just absolutely phenomenal. That, that would totally be mine. It's one, again, one of those moments where I was sitting there on my sofa playing through it. And you know the bit where I'm trying not to ruin it for people who um, mm. might not have played it yet. Um, it's the bit where he finally accepts who he is. And yes. while that might not be a good thing, he can be a better person for his son because of it. And it's just like, he still has a use here. <laughs> There's so many, I mean, I, I, it's weird, right? Because at the very beginning of that game, um, when it opens up and he's uh, cutting down the tree because yeah. they have to um, burn the uh, his wife, Freya, or his, uh, his yeah. partner, Freya, and, uh, and he's cutting down these trees and then his bandages fall off his uh, arm as he's doing it. And weirdly, that really got me. I don't know why. I think it's just because seeing this like titan of a man who like I've grown up with as a character um, look all forlorn and look sad and with the bandages falling off his arms and realizing, oh my God, he's taken the chains off and he's trying to hide it. Like he's... Yeah. He, treats it as a wound like just so much symbolism so much visual recognition in that shot of just this like big like i said like tree trunk of a man and um, looking sad looking at his past embodying it just that right there i was like this is actually brilliant and they only went like further from there it is powerful stuff it's a good time it's speaking of good times next question from joe favorite game boy accessory 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. <laughs> it's got to be the um the bloody um, is it the clippy light yeah, yeah the clippy light because otherwise you can't play it <laughs> the amount of times you sat there just kind of like oh it's uh past 6 p.m in uk time which means that it's time to put the game boy away because you got to you believe they did that because i i forgot about all that until uh, there was a few months ago we were looking something up about something games of all time or something and i went yeah. back to game boy games and i forgot they shipped a whole system without a backlight like yeah. just wasn't a thing just hey we'll sell you the light separately you Ridiculous. also forget how small the screen is. Like, because yeah. I've got an original Game Boy and I picked it up the other day and I was like, whoa, that is a lot of hardware <laughs> like space. Like, just for this tiny, tiny thing. You're like, oh, look at this. I'm playing Tetris. Because I still remember um, getting the little clippy light thing and I think it, it took a bunch of batteries and it was always mm-hmm. running out. But mm-hmm. I still remember sitting when you make, when you sit in bed when you're a kid and you, you put the quill over you and you sort yeah. of like sit with your little Game Boy, little like little campfire style <laughs> side thing. And I remember just hiding in there, just being like, parents don't realize I'm awake at one in the morning. I must play Pokemon. <laughs> and just like, kind of in 
it a little bit more magical, but at the same time, that thing was ridiculous. So that is my favorite Game Boy accessory, but I can't believe they had to ship light. I know. <laughs> it was like when um, the Game Boy Color came out and came with it, and everyone was just like, well, we're going to buy this, not because it has color, but because of the fact that it is backlit. Like, <laughs> yeah. I it's also had... Other things that like stand out to us like over the years, like getting the Game Boy Color because Pikachu would actually be yellow. I know. And like just, just things like that. I will say actually there's one more accessory that I absolutely adored. And that mm. was the um the S the SNES uh, Game Boy cartridge topper. You oh yeah, pop yeah. it you pop it into your SNES and be able mm -hmm. to play Game Boy games on your SNES on a big mm -hmm. TV. And I absolutely love that. I love the idea of that thing. I keep seeing one of them in uh, there's a CEX uh, game mm -hmm. retail shop near us or near near us in the olden times anyway. Yeah. And uh, near, <laughs> near the old office. Um that still has one of those in and I just I keep looking at it going like oh I could get Minish Cap on the TV. I could get some sort that of would Game be Boy delicious thing though. on the TV. And I, then I keep thinking well Nintendo will clearly do a Game Boy like expansion-y thing for Nintendo Switch Online. They have to do a monthly, like, you know, catalog You'd of titles. You'd think so, wouldn't you? would think so. Um, but then also it's Nintendo. So, you you know, you've got to pay for the light or whatever. They'll they'll, they'll do it in 15 <clears throat> years' time. They'll uh, they'll put it onto a console that barely anyone bought. The thing is, I mean, like what happened with the Mario 35th anniversary, it's like, well, we'll give you it for a little bit and then we'll take it away. And yeah, then we'll give it to you a few months later part. and then we'll take it away. Like, just, that's, I think that ends this month, actually. The, uh, yeah, the 35th does. anniversary thing. <laughs> just uh, they'll put it back. No more Mario. Mario's over. No, just, Nintendo done. abandons Mario. <laughs> uh, next question from Bradley Someone. Uh, what Dark Souls-esque game is the best? Great podcast, by the way. Thank you very much. That'll be oh, for the Untelabanda podcast. Check us out on Fridays. Is one way hey. to do stuff. But yeah, best um, Dark Souls-esque game. Well, I know what you're going to say. I already know it. You're going to say The Surge 2. I am. Oh, I was thinking Lords of the Fallen for some reason, but I don't know if I still... I, it probably is The Surge 2. I think it probably Lords, is the Lords of the Fallen's a bit dumpy, isn't he? It is. It's, it's, it's kind of like, oh, I'm, a bit, I'm carrying a bit of Christmas weight. I'm going to roll, but not me, as like, fast as you want me to. The thing with uh, the, the mechanic that I love about Surge 2, which I've mentioned so much, I'm not going into it too much, but the, the limb-specific damage, giving mm -hmm. you specific components to upgrade stuff, and the whole thing, their bonfire system being an XP doubler. So if you don't use a bonfire, or you don't use a checkpoint, you get more XP because you stay alive yeah. longer. Um, minus the limb thing, that XP doubler thing was in Lords of the Fallen. And so when I played Lords, it was just after Dark Souls 2, um, and I was still high on fantasy souls game so i was like oh my god it's just like it's dark souls 2 but it has a new idea and blah. and i kind of like i had a really positive impression of lords of the fallen i think i'm the only person on the planet who did but i thought it was really cool um and so yeah i think now it would be it would be the sage 2 but there's something there's a little bit of something about lords of the fallen that's well made it's cool I like there's it. that there's that game in which you harden what's it called uh oh, the on. no <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it's, it's a dark so um, it's it, it's oh, you're recently. thinking of uh, Mortal Shell. Mortal Shell, yeah. <coughs> yes. I would recommend that. I think that's a good laugh. Um, I'm trying that to think one of messes like... messes with my head because you have to factor in blocking into your attack chain because yeah, it's they quite can weird. attack you during your animation, but then you can harden to just tank the damage. Yeah. So it's like that thing broke my head, like trying to figure out the the animations. Could we include, uh, is it Rem Revenant? Remnant? The, Remnant um, it's, from the Ashes? Yeah, the one that's like a, it's a shooter. One. Yeah, uh -huh. because that's got like Dark Souls-esque, like um, yeah, grindy, yeah. like dodgy, like mm -hmm. enemies hit really hard. It's very challenging. Mm -hmm. I would say that, and it's got a gothic-ish vibe. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say so that. So satisfying to play as well. I've had such a fun time with that game. I played mm -hmm. it with um, Osley and Rich a while back. Like, God, it must have been... 
end of last year for like but it's like two yeah like two months and it was just kind of like just on and off just having a quick go and i was like this is brilliant and they just Mm -hmm. stopped playing and i was like this is rubbish (laughs) without friends i remember doing the very beginning of it solo and thinking it played really well i like the shooting and everything but i didn't i just didn't keep going that style of game like because they bring in a lot of the like you need online you need people you need a squad like you said Uh, and the way the mission design and everything i was like oh this isn't it doesn't scratch the soul's edge but at least it's quite satisfying um next question from Mackenzie young does jules have any 40k video game recommendations or someone for someone who's not played the tabletop game but is interested in getting into the lore of the series also have we played spartan total warrior for the ps2 it's oh, a 2000s well, action. yeah <laughs> yes, I... it's a 2000s action hack and slash game with fun group finishes that is ridiculous what a again what a pull from the what past a pull. is what um, a pull should be the name of the uh, the if we ever do an additional podcast for old grumpy old yeah. man games we can call it what a pull <laughs> basically just us, just us sitting there just going like do you remember Jumping Flash? <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, I really like that game. Do you remember G-Police? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, I really like that game. Do you remember Roll Cage? Oh, I oh, love Roll Cage. See, I would do that. That would be my reaction every time. Me and you, when we were, this is not even remotely related to the question, but when me and this you were- This is the EGX links. Yeah. yeah. And we played, we played uh, Grip for the first time, or Grid or whatever it's called. Yeah. The thing that's the spiritual successor to Roll Cage. And we were clearly supposed to be seeing 20 other games, but we just kept playing that Grip thing. <laughs> Uh, for the rest of the afternoon. What a time. Anyway, 40k video game recommendations. Well, my son, welcome to the oh, Traveling boy. Circus, which is called Best Warhammer 40k Games. Um, <laughs> now, this is the thing. If you're trying to get into uh, the 40k universe, it is quite dense. Mm. Um, I would say that a good starting point is Vermintide. It's not 40k, but it's um, the fantasy version because it's quite simple. You get your clear sort of cut good guys and you get your clear-cut bad guys it's quite mm. easy to digest and it's very fun and easy to play um the upcoming necromunda game uh, that we were talking about on the last ubp yes. is meant to explain quite a lot about the hive worlds which are basically like big industrial worlds they're kind of like um the mega seas from judge dread okay cool. but even more violent and just rife with gang uh gang activity and chaos corruption as well okay. um I would say that Warhammer Space Marine is a very easy game to pick up as well. It mm. pretty much gives you the lore on a plate because it's just like, this is a Space Marine. They are genetic, <laughs> super-powered warriors. They follow everything to the letter, or do they? Right. And then um, at the very end, it's just kind of like, ha-ha, chaos wins. <laughs> you can never beat chaos. Because I think for me, I, um, like I've, not, I've not spent the time getting into Warhammer, but I am going to get the Necromunda thing or whatever yeah, it's called. The, the Doom. Because it just looks like Doom meets Titanfall. With, and it's coming like, out so soon. Yeah, with like the voice acting from like Styx. The, oh, that it's going to be great. Styx Goblin it's, Man. It's going to be like... Evening, Goofner. It's going down the old eye and having a shoot at it. Let me blow you all up with a big gun. I just, yeah, I just, I just want to blow things up with a big gun. I and just, I've got my dog here who'll bite your knackers <laughs> off. I'm curious. That's the, we said this on the UBP, but I'm super curious whether that gets in the way or makes it even, even better. Like yeah. there's that quirky voice acting. Um, last thing from Matt Shaw, you have two choices each. Pick some really underrated indie games from the last few years that not many of us would know about because it's fun to share some hidden gems. Oh, bloody hell, mate. I mean, oh, bloody hell, fire. Oh, bloody hell. Um, I would say that uh, we were talking about this the, uh, the other day. Um, mm. The Oberdin is... Uh, yes. An exceptional puzzle game with a really unique art style. It's fantastically fun, mm-hmm. uh, challenging, uh, rewarding. It's kind of like um, the same sense of satisfaction you get from playing something like The Witness. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that sense of like once a puzzle locks into place, you're like, 
aha, like the astounding eureka moment, which is just yeah. all the way through that game. Perfect. There's a little bit of um, little like a little thread. I was going to say a thread, but it gets more. But there's a there's a bit of a Lovecraftian vibe in there mm-hmm. right from the beginning, and then as you basically you're it's like a detective style. What happened on this ship that's suddenly been moored at, at port thing? Because it's a real thing. Yeah, um, yeah, the, it's based the, on a real ship. Yeah, because the story in reality is, is they just found a, a completely empty ship drifting, mm. I think it was just outside of Portsmouth Harbour or something right. like that. And mm. um, they went on board, found no signs of the crew, like loads of food apparently was still like halfway eaten or something like so that. At the so end people, of Jurassic Park 2. Yeah, people thought that like maybe it was a case of um, uh, like pirates had come along and kidnapped them, but then they were like, why would they do that and not take any of the valuables in the mm-hmm. ship? Like, was it a uh, like a storm or something like that? But no, because other stuff wasn't broken. So right. it's you basically just piecing it together, like in this. But you game have like a little. Um, it's been ages since I played it, but you have like a like a weird supernatural book. Thing, yes, you do. And yeah. um, that's helping you slot everything together. So it's it's kind of part guesswork, like kind of like the witness, kind of like uh, her story, which I totally recommend her story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, but the, it, it's also graphically made to look like an apple 2 game it sort of yeah. looks like a wireframe matrix which i actually quite like you really get used to it yeah i was surprised that they chose that for the art mm. style but then again I, I think that it kind of really works because you feel it's a sense of detachment and a stylistic choice that actually benefits the gameplay quite a lot because it mm. starts putting it together like it's some storybook that you're just kind of you're yeah. not really receiving it as reality you know that it's it's not real it's, it's very it contributes to it because yeah like you said there's there's a whole general feeling of like like otherworldliness to mm-hmm. it and especially when you start realizing what actually happened and stuff that stuff's awesome um yeah i'll totally mention uh her story which is another detective style game but you uh it's played sort of um you're just accessing like an old police archive it's all very much in like first person but you're just cool. your ui is just the desktop and you're sort of going through old um interview clips of this woman being interviewed um and you sort of like have to try and get to the truth uh based on keywords so like if she just says like look i don't know what you're talking about there wasn't even a knife there then you can search for the word knife and all of a sudden you'll oh, find all these cool. other clips where they previously asked her about the knife or she mentioned knife um, and you it's it's almost like google murder the game um but like you have to start thinking of like okay what word seems like it would make sense uh, like yeah. body or uh you know broke or whatever like if she starts like alluding to a murder scene then maybe you search the word blood and you find like an older scene an older clip from years ago of her saying look i you know there was never any blood or whatever and then when you eventually know when you eventually um, have a full picture you get like a little reveal as to sort of what's been going on the whole time and why you're looking for these answers and things like that um that's a really really cool game but it's only on uh, steam it's only on i guess pc okay. and mac um but in terms of it being this really co- it makes you feel like a detective because you end up that's getting cool. like a notepad and being like well if she said this on this date and then she said this then i know she's lying and i can then like you know you figure it out for yourself as you are figuring out in the game um and it's whenever you look on the reddit threads all the fans just have their own like red string style notice boards Amazing. of like like this is what I had at the end of my game kind of thing before I realized the truth. It's brilliant. Um, so yes, those would be a couple of random indie things that we totally recommend mm-hmm. you guys check out. Um, me and Jules usually do our podcast on a Friday, the Untitled Banda podcast. So please get subscribed to the channel. Well, I guess you'd be subscribed to the channel if you're listening to this, but come back and check us out on a Friday. Um, for now though, this has been the What Culture Gaming podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Jules Gill. Thanks for having me. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.